Lord bless you. And, and, all right. What about the gal next to you that's texting over there? Did you get? <laughs> oh, just kidding, honey. You weren't texting. You're just looking up the scripture, weren't you? <laughs> all right. Did you get a blessing at you camp? Good. Praise God. God is good. Amen. Uh, anybody else? Anybody at camp? What about it, girl? Got a touch from God? Did you get that lollipop from camp? That. Amen. All right. Amen. Uh, other young people, uh, I know. Here we go, right here in the middle. Praise God. God bless you, bud. You got a good time in Jesus, and God moved in your life, and I praise the Lord for that. All of you young people, bless you. Uh, bless you richly. Yes, way back there, Tina. You Go ahead. Yes. Amen. That's right. <laughs> He's a miracle working God, isn't he? Yeah, I got phone calls on that already. How good would you say, man? How exciting. Well, uh, today we're going to go to the book of Daniel again. I was over there a week ago. Actually, two Sundays now. And uh, I'm going to go to Daniel chapter 3, and I can't read the whole chapter. And I normally don't read this many verses, but I'm not going to speak on all of them. But I want to read them so you'll get the context of where I'm going. And I'm going to go to Daniel 3, Daniel chapter 3, and uh, we're going to uh, get... Uh, Start at verse number 8, and I'll be reading out of uh, the NIV. And we're going to uh, kind of pick our way through this uh, slowly uh, in order to get the full impact of it, and then we will go uh, directly into uh, the thing that God has laid on my spirit today. Uh, Daniel chapter 3 and verse 8. Uh, I think it's going to be on the screen above me here if you do not have your written text or your electronic device with it on there. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. This sounds like a pretty common statement in the Bible, wasn't it? And uh, it says, They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You have issued a decree, O king, that everyone who hears a sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold and that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. That's the story now. You know about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Everybody figured that out? Let me see your hand. You got it? In verse number 12, it says... And there were some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon 
in other words, they're in leadership now. They're, they're pretty high up. Uh, their names being Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, O king. <laughs> Isn't that cute? Say amen. Now here, here are these tattletales walking up, and they're bragging on the king because they don't want to get burned in a fire. And then they look at the king, and they say, there are some Jews that you put in here, O king, and they pay no attention to you, neither they neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship, listen to these words, the image of gold that I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a burning furnace. And then, uh, let me turn pages here so I can get up with myself. And then, what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? I notice that Nebuchadnezzar keeps saying, I, me, mine, a lot. How many of y'all ever uh, heard anybody that was so stuck on themselves that ever sentence they mentioned themselves in it? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship your image of gold that you've set up. Now listen to this. Nebuchadnezzar was furious uh, with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and, and, and his attitude toward them changed. Now I'm going to stop there because I'm moving into actually verse 19, but I wanted to throw that on the tail end of that. Now I'm going to title my uh, theme today, When Your Faith is in the fire when your faith is in the fire and I'm going to cut to the chase right now and I want everybody to buckle up because you're in for a ride today and it's going to be astonishing it's going to be helpful it's going to be a revelation of truth we have all recognized this text that I just read as the three Hebrew children being delivered from the fire when I was a kid, I thought they were like eight years old because it called the Hebrew children. <laughs> After you read and learn a little bit more, you get a new idea, don't you? Now, this is not a story of what God has done. It is a story of what God continues to do. You see the big difference, don't you? If we Bible believers, uh, if we are, we probably will find ourselves in some type of a fiery furnace experience somewhere in our future, maybe if not quickly, 
we've already been in one, and we might have to go through another one somewhere. Uh, Our faith will be in the fire somewhere along the journey. Though it may not be, look at this, every day that we live, it may be on occasions, it may be projected, it sometimes may be very short. But we're going to all go through the test and the trial. We must have faith, and we must, as believers, make a stand for God. I don't know how to emphasize that enough, but I'll leave it as said. Nebuchadnezzar was, a, was an egomaniac. Listen carefully, an egomaniac. He was so much of an egotist that he had a statue of himself made, and he had people to bow down and worship his image or his statue. That's what he did. He was so high on the ego chart that he had to have something made where people could worship his image. He placed his image out in the plain of Dura, D-U-R-A, is what the Bible said, and that was where everybody could see it. How many of you ever turned on your television and you saw the space shuttle sitting on the launch pad and it looked like ginormous, right? Or you drove somewhere and you were fortunate enough to be in New York City temporarily. (laughs) Some of y'all got that. Y'all get it by noon, okay? Uh, And you, you were fortunate enough to be there and you saw a building and you recognized it. Or when I was a boy in downtown Dallas, there was that red horse that was lighted up on the top of a building and you'd drive by. And that was kind of a trademark for the skyline of Dallas back when the earth was cooling off. And when you see it, you would know exactly what was going on. You could understand it and see it there. It's like I'm going to put it where everybody will recognize it. Well, you know this story. The music played. Thousands bowed down. But three people out of the thousands that were there said, We're not going to bow down to your statue in the plain of Dura. We're not going to do it. And so the music was done and finished up, and whoever refused to bow down to this uh, statue of Nebuchadnezzar, you would be taken and cast into a fiery furnace, into a blazing flame that was absolutely ferocious. Now, if I may, I want to tell you this, and that is that Daniel is, first of all, not just a story about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Uh, Daniel is a book about prophecy. This is a prophetic book, and I want to add to that that if you don't have uh, the book of Daniel and Ezekiel, you're not going to also understand the book of Revelation. So there are three that are linked together very tightly, and people say to me sometimes, well, I want you to teach on the book of Revelation. Uh, And I say, I can't do that unless I teach on Daniel and unless I also teach uh, on the book of Ezekiel, because they're all three almost triplets in the Bible. So what we're getting at is something here is highly prophetic and very, very real. Nebuchadnezzar is a type or a figure of the Antichrist. How many of you in this house, and I'd like a show of hands, how many of you in this house have ever heard any preacher in your history, in your life, ever at least one time mention the Antichrist. Could I see your hand? Hands all over the house. You've heard that. Now, Nebuchadnezzar 
is a type of the Antichrist. The word anti means against. That's what it means. It means I am against something. I am not in favor of something. And so when you have Antichrist, you have somebody that is anti-Jesus, anti-Bible, anti-God. And that is a spirit, and that's what Nebuchadnezzar was. And if you follow Ezekiel and Daniel and the book of Revelation, you'll see that pronounced over and over. Now, there's going to be a man in our future, uh, maybe not while you're alive. It could be, however, uh, that's going to step out on the scene, and he's going to rule the world like Nebuchadnezzar ruled the world in the book of Daniel. There's going to, that's going to take place. I don't know when it's going to be, but if you ask me, I want you to understand this. If you ask me, I personally believe that the Antichrist, the man himself, may well be alive living in this world today inhaling oxygen on planet Earth. Somebody said, don't say that. That scares me. Have no fear. If you're saved, no sweat, honey. No problem. If you're not saved, i got news for you. You better get saved because when the trumpet sounds and you don't go up, you're going to meet that guy nose to nose, eyeball to eyeball, and his program is not going to be good, and it's not going to be good for a long, long time for anybody in this world. Now, I'm not a judgment and a calamity howler, but if you're not saved, I'd get right with God today because, the, the, in my opinion, Jesus could come. Now, hear this very carefully. Uh, the, the, the Antichrist will be the devil's Messiah. He is known as the man of sin, and he's also known in the Bible as the lawless one. All right? Somebody who won't sin and somebody who does not want to obey the law. Is anybody picking up? Is anybody... Just, is there a discerning spirit anywhere in this house that sees already where this is going? May I see your hand? God bless all seven of y'all. The other folks will catch up. That's a promise. They will. Uh, I'll make it so clear. They'll get to it in a little while. In my opinion today, that we're very, very near those times when we're going to be facing a spirit in this world more pronounced than ever, the spirit of anti or against Christ. I, I do know his system is already being put in place right now. Uh, and it is a system that will come into full maturity in the great tribulation period that's going to take place in this world. Now, evolutionists, people who believe in evolution, uh, believe that we sprung from some type of beast. Some of them even say a monkey. Well, I want to tell everybody here today that this world is headed toward a beast but we did not spring from one. Oh, I'm loving your amens. We, we, uh, understand this. We're headed toward a beast, but we did not spring from one. And the one that the world is headed toward is the Antichrist and the mark of the beast. Then 1 John chapter 2 and verse 28, the Bible said in the last days. One translation says in the last times that there will be Antichrist plural in the world and it says that that spirit will be everywhere and the antichrist system will be everywhere and right now while i'm living today in this place in the lap of luxury and the comfort of our conditioning with padded pews in a church and all of us here to worship the one true and living god right here right now there's something in front of every one of us when we walk out those doors and that is the spirit of the Antichrist system is already in place 
in many places in our world right now. How many of you know that? Could I see your hand if you know that? Amen. I think we know that very well. Now, if you will allow me to go a step further, Nebuchadnezzar made an image of himself. And he said, if you don't worship what I'm doing, if you don't worship what I am trying to convince you of, then you will be killed. Revelation 13, 13 says the Antichrist will do the same identical thing. Revelation 13 and 13. That's in the future for this world. It hadn't happened yet, but it's in the future. Now, in Daniel chapter 3, verse 1, and you don't have to look these up, but I I can give them to you, but if you would like to do, please, please do that. It says in Daniel 3, 1, that there was an image 60 feet tall. It said it was six cubits wide. And verse 5 in Daniel chapter 3 says that there were six instruments used to play the music. Now, I think you, with a discerning mind, have already picked up something here. Sixty the six, and then six cubits wide, and then six instruments. Have you already found three sixes here? Have you already found it? Did you catch it? I think you did. Now, and then it, then it says in Revelation thirteen eighteen, it says that the number of the mark of the beast will be what? Six, six, six. So if you can understand where I'm going, the fury against these believers named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was not real high at first. The fury, the hate, the disdain, the disgust, the eyeball of aspersion cast a certain direction like look at those out of date, out of class, out of culture people. Look at them. They still believe in God. They still believe in a spiritual being. They still believe this. They And at first, that, that spirit... What was not shown to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If you were here two weeks ago, I hope that you could remember some of that. They were brought in. They were to serve and, and be great in the kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar. But they did not bow. Would everybody shout hallelujah? They did not bow down. They would not do that. They made up their mind not to do that. And now, watch the, watch the time clock as it goes closer and closer to the, the, the Nebuchadnezzar spirit, the Antichrist spirit. Notice the time clock. It clicks again and again and again. A long time ago in America, who was the nation and the government's greatest friend? It was the church. Come on and say amen to that. A long time ago, the church was America's greatest friend. (laughs) What are we now? Oh, boy, would you say amen to that? What are we today? A long time ago, uh, the, 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 the people who led prayed in Jesus' name. Uh, if you would just study uh, some of the things. I, I, I wish you would do it. it. It would be enlightening. It would be great. Uh, I, I've done this before. I even spoke at the citywide service here in town back in November about this. Uh, and ultimately, uh, at first, it was, it was not against uh, uh, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And at first, it was not against uh, Christians and churches in America. But every day that we live, the Nebuchadnezzar attitude and spirit is clicking and clicking and clicking. And now they say, you can keep praying, but don't pray here. Now they say, you can pray, but don't pray in the name of Jesus. Now they say, don't be a spectacle. Don't get out and do this or do that or do the other. And now you can do this, but don't do it in a certain way. And, and the squeeze, the tight, the pinch, the push is being put on the church so strong right now. 
that it's time for somebody like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to get up and say, okay, it doesn't matter what you say. We're not going to go the way of society, the way of the world. We have been saved and purchased by blood. We have eternal life in heaven. And whatever happens here is not that important because I have my name written down in a book that you don't know a thing about. And I'm going to have that read at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Well, give God a little praise there, would you? Now, I want to talk about the fury of, of, uh, of the foe against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, now, they had here emotional enticement. Emotional enticement. You see, the music plays. Uh, and, uh, do, do I have emotional uh, enticement up above me up there? I don't know if I do or not. Uh, okay, but uh, they, they had this emotional enticement thing going on. Uh, and the music plays, uh, and when it plays directly to the emotion. Do you know that, em uh, that music is emotional? Do you know that? You know that when you walk through a mall, and, and I was in a mall not terribly long ago. I, by the way, okay, I hate shopping malls. By the way, I hate Christmas shopping. By the way, I'm an old Scrooge. By the way, when it gets time for Christmas presents, I dig out $100 bills and start handing them out, so go buy what you want. I don't know what you want. Here, go buy it. And my two grandsons, oh, glory to God. They get the jerk and everything else, praising God, because you know, I, I didn't go buy them a new pair of socks or something like that. I, I went somewhere and said, here, go to the gun shop or go get some bait for your rod and reel. Go get something for your bait caster or whatever, or put it down on a new scope, okay, for your gun. And so so since we're into gun sports and skeet and trap and all that, and, 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 and we like to go out in the woods, but, but, but you understand that, that music, uh, when you go into a mall, yeah, if, if somebody's out there and they're playing music, people just walk by and stop and listen and smile. You know, and they say, oh, isn't that nice? Uh, and, and music touches the emotion. It gets down on the inside. Uh, let me give you a laugh. Anybody want to laugh for one second here? Anybody like to have a little bit of a laugh? Okay. I'm going to take some of you back. Some of you won't know a thing about this. I'm going to take some of y'all back a few years, all right? Like when two teens are madly in love. And I mean they're madly in love. And they think this is the only thing in my life. I just love him and he just loves me. I was preaching to you, Kent, one time. And this little old cute little girl dragging this weeny arm boy up to me. Just dragging him right up to me. Now, now all you youth camp people, listen to me. I know more about youth camps than y'all do, okay? I was the general youth president and I preached 63 youth camps, not counting the ones I conducted. I preached youth camps all over this nation. And one night I was preaching on the will of God and this little girl drags this skinny little boy up and he, she's pulling his arm and man, they got up there to me and she said, Hi, Brother Johnson. I loved your sermon. This is, let me make up a name. Maybe it's not, not Brad. Is it, no Brad's in here? Okay. <laughs> I hope not. Okay. She said, this is Brad. And the Lord told us we're going to get married. And I looked at her and I said, say what? And she said, the Lord told us we're going to get married. Brad's standing there with his arms stretched, you know, an extra foot. And he's looking at me like, save me. God, help me save me. And, uh, and she said, we were prophesied over. And I said, well, that's good. Now, here's what you do. You go back home when this is over. You go to school. You get your college education. 
You study, and when you get old enough, you have premarital counseling, and then you get married, and you go into life right, and you become a husband and wife, and you do it all the right way, but just wait until you're old enough to do it. And in a minute, it just offended the daylights out of her. I think she wanted to get married at summer camp, you know, uh, and, 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 and it offended her so much that she walked away sad. Boy, she was just disgusted and him just right in tow, dragging his, just dragging him around. Well, before the camp was over, she had some other <laughs> loony tune with her. You know what I'm trying to say. Uh, and, and so I want everybody to understand this. But you get two kids madly in love, and then they get a spat. And then when they get the spat going and they, quote, break up. Oh, I'm, I'm not with them anymore. And they break up. God have mercy. Am I drawing a word picture here? Is anybody getting my theme? Come on, wave your hand if you're getting where I'm going. Uh, and, and all of a sudden, uh, they decide in a, in, uh, after a great length of time, uh, two days or a week maybe, and they get back together. And guess what happens? They turn on the radio and they say, oh, that was our song. That was our song. I mean, <laughs> listen. If you're not laughing about this, you have never been in love as a teenager. Oh, they're playing our song. Let's call the radio station and we'll get them to dedicate it to us. And they call. What are you laughing at? Huh? Was it with her? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Don't look so innocent. All of the guilty, would you raise your hand? All of the guilty. Oh, look at here. Wow, even youth camp kids are in on this thing. <laughs> so, so, uh, so the music touches the emotion, right? The, amuse, the, the music, oh, I just love that. Did you hear that? Did you hear the, mellow? And if you, uh, the melody? If you, if you know a lot about it, you might even say, oh, did you pick up on the obligata? Just things about it that stand out in our minds so much. And then you have it played over the radio. But, but listen to this. While music plays to the emotion, let me also tell you that it can do that in a negative way. It can do that in a negative way. The obscenity of some of our music now. The songs about sex with dead people. That's out there. And songs about killing cops. And songs about uh, uh, multiple uh, sexual orgies. And, and songs about no moral standards. And it goes on and on and on. Uh, and then if you get on MTV and the yelling and the screaming and the weirdly painted faces, uh, it, it's absolutely uh, atrocious. And that plays on the emotion as much as the love song between two young people that are madly in love. And I want everybody to hear this and hear it well. That type of music from the world is nothing more than visual pornography in musical porn. And that's what it is. And somebody says, well, I don't agree. That's all right. If you want to talk about it, you meet me after church, but you better have a Bible. Because if you don't have a Bible, you're going to get whipped mighty bad with it. Okay? So hear this. The next thing that happened in their lives, was social inducement. Social inducement. 
I'm preaching some mighty good stuff right now. I personally know of unbelievable numbers. I don't know if you know how many I would even know, but unbelievable numbers of people who have over a year softened their stand with Jesus so much that all of a sudden they say, well, it must be okay. Everybody's doing it. And if everybody accepts it, then it's an axiom of the modern mind that it must be right. Daniel 3, the chapter I read from, right above my text, verses 3, 4, and 5, it says that the people and the nations and the languages, everybody would fall in line, get in step, do whatever body else was doing, and if they're doing it, it must be okay if everybody out there is doing it. Look at me, church. It is not okay just because the devil's crowd is doing everything they do. We do not sign in on their program. We're children of God. Well, are you going to help me or not? I need some help right now. I'm going to count a little bit of help right now. We're not going to sign in on the devil's program. The devil's program is not going to send you to heaven. But it will send you to an eternal hell without God. You see, there is, there is that enticement and that inducement. If you induce something, what you're doing is you're, you're, you're aiding it. You're pushing it along. And what's the world doing right now to our young people, to moms and dads, to entire denominations of churches, whole denominations that cover the world called Christian churches that are voting regularly in everything they do to move away from that stand in the Bible. Don't preach this anymore. Leave that out of the Bible. Don't do this. Get that out of, the, of our bylaw book. We don't need that anymore. The world is doing it. Let's reach for the world. Ladies and gentlemen, hear this preacher. There's something going on. And the Shadrach and Meshach and the Abednego people that a few years ago in this nation were looked at as great people, the, the stability of a nation... The great generation that fought in wars that kept our freedom and stopped Nazism and all of the things that were going on. I want you to know that crowd is frowned upon now by many, many people. And now they're saying, wait a minute, let's not do anything. Let's just induce all the young people to move away from that. If we're going to go to heaven, if we're going to do what God wants us to do, if we're going to make things right in this life, then let's get with the Word of God and pray the Bible, read the Bible, live the Bible, sing the Bible, talk the Bible, and live with the Word of God. And let your kids know that Jesus is still Jesus Christ. And there's still a rapture of the church going to catch a body out of here. And there's still an eternal heaven where the righteous will live forever. There's still a hell where the perish will die without God and fry like bacon in a skillet in eternity in blackness without God or His help. It's out there right now. And when somebody gets up and says, we're going to go with the Word, we're not going to be liked by the world. They're going to try to do everything they can because they did it to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they're going to try it now, and they're doing it now with us. But let me tell you this. Government enforcement is in our world right now. They say, you can't do this, you can't do that. If you do this, if you say that, we're going to take your tax exemption away from you. We will arrest you. We'll put you in court. We'll do this. We'll do that. And right now, the people that were once shined upon and praised and magnified and loved and thank God you're here to make the nation right, that's the crowd. 
That's the crowd right now that's getting the pressure put on them. And I'm going to tell you right now, the furnace is heating up daily. And I'm not a calamity howler. I'm not a prophet of doom. But it's time mamas and daddies got their kids and say, today is the house of God. We're on our way. Oh, mama, I don't feel like it. That's okay. We still believe in healing. Hallelujah. We're going to go to church. We're going to hear the Bible talk. That's the reason my wife and other Sunday school teachers set up during the middle of the week at night and read Sunday school lessons and prayer uh, and pray. That's the reason that we got teachers in this church that stop and spend their own money in stores to buy items for their Sunday school class and love those kids and pray over them. That's the reason they're here. That's the reason we've got a youth preacher back yonder in that booth that's baptized with the Holy Ghost and loves God and hates sin and is trying to get your kids into heaven and doing all he can. Amen. Come on and say amen. That's the reason. We've got a church that writes checks to people on staff and says, let's keep the gospel going. That's the reason we unlock these doors. You know, right now in this building, in this one room only, there are 60 tons of air conditioning that we're paying for right now because we believe in you. Hallelujah. Do you understand what I'm trying to convey? The crowd that was once smiled on is not looked on like that much anymore. But I got news for the world. I got news for the devil. I got news for the world system. And I'm going to live for Jesus. God's on the throne. Hallelujah. I'm not one of the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego boys himself. But I do want you to know one thing. Uh, I'm not going to be a casualty. I'm not going to crater on the way. I'm not going to convert back away from God and go back to the devil. When I die and you walk by my casket right here at the front of this church and you look into the face of this old bald-headed snaggletooth preacher, I paid for him. I bought him, okay? (laughs) You look in my face and you make up your mind. Well, he fought it to the end. You're going to be right. Because when I leave here, I'm not going out tired and anxious and old. I'm going out like a shooting star, baptized with the Holy Ghost, preaching the living Word of God to a dying world, baptizing converts every chance I get, serving communion, unlocking a church, locking it up when it's done. I'm going to run the race. Somebody is going to run the race with me. Could I see your hand? Are you on your way to heaven? My God, say amen. I'm going to go to heaven. I'm not going to go the other way. Hallelujah. And also, listen to me. I'm not going to make a feeble grasp at God ten minutes before I die trying to miss hell. I'm not going to get on my deathbed dying and make a feeble grasp at God and say, somebody call somebody to pray with me. I'm not sure. I'm going to die sure of Jesus Christ. Uh-huh. Revelation 13, 15, back to prophecy. The Antichrist is given the power to give uh, the power to give breath uh, to the image of the first beast, okay, so that it could speak and cause everybody who refused to worship the devil to be cast down and put out. Okay, that's what happened with Nebuchadnezzar. That's what happened with Satan in the beginning. How many of y'all see the parallels? Anybody? In case you don't know what this is, this is hermeneutics. I've taught on hermeneutics for years. I don't know if some people ever got it or not, but that's what it is. It's interpret your Bible with Bibles where you get a Bible revelation and not interpret your Bible with some liberal dude from a university in the northeast part of the United States of America. Amen? Now watch this, if you will. Uh, We are facing emotional enticement and government enforcement. Satan wants to show his strength 
But we have to show the devil our strength as well. Somebody said, well, what's the devil doing? (laughs) Duh. Turn on your radio or your television or pick up your little device and pick up the news. What is the devil doing? Everybody knows this. What's this? Government enforcement. Nebuchadnezzar, the three guys. Okay, you're going to do what we say. We started off good. We liked you, boys. (laughs) We were in your corner and you were in ours. But it just kept going and going and going and going. Now the three Hebrew children faced the same type of fury. And they also had their faith to stay with them while they were in the fury. And Tanner covered that real good last week. Now when when approached by Nebuchadnezzar about bowing down, the three Hebrew children said, "Uh, we're not careful as to how we're going to answer you. Somebody said, what does that mean? It means that we're not going to hesitate and think this thing through. We've already done it. Somebody said, well, let me think what I'm going to do. No, 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 no. Make up your mind now. And then when it comes into your face, you don't have to think it through. Make up your mind today. We don't need to get in a huddle like they do on the football field. <laughs> Come on, say amen. They get in a huddle on the football field, and they put their heads down, and one guy looks over at the sideline, and they give a signal over there, and then he says, Coach calls for you know so-and-so play, and then everybody says, break! And then they go back, and they get in line. And then they're trying to hide it from the other side, and they get a huddle. And no, 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 no. The Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, "Come here, come here, come here." What are we going to do? Y'all got What do you think? What do you, no, no, they didn't do that. They had their mind made up before they got into the situation. Come on, Church of the Living God, make up your mind. You're going to live for God now. Make up your mind. It's worth it. Make up your mind. It is worth it. And here's what happened. They didn't get in a huddle. They followed their faith. And they lived up to who they were. All right, note takers, did you get it? They lived up to who they were. This is who we are. Let's live up to it. Okay, now, I'm going to start this descent. And uh, my son's not here today to look at me and raise his hands up and say, Are you still preaching? Jamil, he's so brilliant. He's smart like his dad. That's cute, isn't it? He told me one time, he said, Dad, said you tried to land that airplane six times. You just couldn't get the runway. <laughs> you just could not hit the runway. I said, I'm going to do better. Okay, let, 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 all right, hear this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego made a big decision earlier, and they kept it from having to make a lot of little decisions later. I, I, I just pray to God that sunk in. They made a big decision now. So when they get down the road, they're not going to have to sit back and make 25 little bitty decisions then. Our mind's made up. Where are we going? And the other one says, look, this is it. God is on our side. The decision is made. You remember a long time ago, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. Good singing, isn't it? <laughs> but I want to tell you this. No turning back. No turning back. Amen? No turning back. Make up your mind early. When Barbara and I leave the house to go eat, she says, where do you want to eat? I say, honey, I'm just going with you. 
as long as I'm with you? That's A-OK. Well, what do you want? I said, honey, in our town, we have Mexican food. We have uh, pizza and Italian food. And, we, <laughs> and then we have some tacos. And then after that, we got some dead chicken. Amen? Come on, everybody say amen. I mean, that's about where we are, right? Come on. And, uh, uh, and so uh, we talk about it all the way to town. We got the first stop sign up here, and Barbara says, where are you going to go? And I said, uh, uh, I don't want to tell you. Uh, well, I'm not hungry for this, she'll say. And then in a minute I'll say, well, I'm not hungry for that. And, and we drive around. We burn up $5 gasoline. Come on, buddy. $5 gasoline to end up buying a stinking Big Mac. Are you hearing me? Look at your neighbor and stop, say, stop looking so innocent. Amen. Now, I'm, I'm overdoing that point a little, but very little. And so finally we decide. And we drive by five restaurants to make a decision. If we'd have made the decision to drive by, you know what we'd have done? We'd have went straight to that restaurant. Got it? Somebody said, that's third grade preaching. I'm a third grader. Amen? Okay. <laughs> Their faith was settled and strong. Now watch this. It's going to get wrapped up real fast. Their faith was settled, settled and strong. And they said these words, they said these words, our God is able that's what they said. Our God is able, verse 18. And they said, but if not, and did you, did you pick it up when I read it? I, I love to read the Bible slow. Uh, God will give you no blue ribbon in heaven for speed reading, okay? Cancel that program. That, that program doesn't work. Listen carefully. I read to you a while ago that Nebuchadnezzar said, when we play the music, Six kinds, remember? We do this, we do that. And then he said, you bow down. And then he said, and if not, he said, and if not. And then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego come by when they're confronted and they say, our God's able, but if not, your mind was made up. So is mine. Your mind's made up, so is mine, he said. He looked him in the face said, you got your mind made up? I got my mind made up. My mind's made up. And so, uh, how many of y'all have a little, and I do, a little, but if not, in your clause? I, I mean, I have that clause in my contract with God. God, you're able, you're on the throne, you're alive, and I want this, and I need that, and so and so, but if not, it's okay. You're still God, and I'm going to serve you, Lord. Come on, church. Give God a praise right there. That's good. Now... Uh, and so, so, so here's here's how we're going to tie this together. Hebrews chapter eleven uh, is a faith. Uh, I guess they call it the Hall of Fame, or the Walk of Fame for the Bible. Names off all these great people. Uh, I chuckled the other morning. I sat down for a moment. I got to leave the house a little bit after nine, and that's not always my privilege, but I did that day. And I thought I'd just turn the TV on. When I turned, it was on Francis and Friends. And they had a one-hour argument. Now, I'm not talking about the people on the panel. But they had a one-hour argument with the public uh, calling in on whether Adam and Eve went to heaven or hell. And uh, they, they talked about it for an hour. And finally, I looked at Barbara and I said, they're getting after it. And people calling in, emailing in, they were fighting, eyeball clawing. And no, not that. And, and, and people were calling in and yelling, screaming back and forth over the air. 
And I finally got enough victory in Jesus. I just hit off and, and, and hooked them out. By the way, when church is over today, don't walk up and ask me that question, okay? All right. You, you figure that out in your own brain because uh, none of those people had it figured out. Uh, but, but, but in Hebrews 11, there were some unusual things that took place. And here, here just briefly, some of those people in verse 35 didn't get a deliverance. They were cut half in two with cross-cut saws. Well, are you making that up? No, no. Look, you have a Bible. You go to Hebrews 11:35, and I'm I'm telling you what this book says. They chose a different route and said, "But if not, you can take a crosscut saw and cut my body half in two. I'm still going to live for God." And then the next thing that happened is said some of them were burned alive. And the next thing is said that some of them were fed to lions and bears. And some of, of those wandered on mountains, and they were homeless, they were tormented, they were mocked, they were beaten, put in jail. That's what they went through. But they had a but-if-not clause in their walk with God and said, it doesn't matter. The bottom line is, I am going to make heaven my home at any cost. I'm going to make heaven my home. So what are you saying, Brother Johnson? I'm saying it in three or four little bitty words. Don't miss the rapture. Don't miss the rapture, okay? Uh, the New Testament is so clear. Faith is not primarily receiving from God what you want. It is part of it. Sometimes it's accepting what He gives. Sometimes it is. There's a God who will take care of you no matter what it might be. God's still in business. We're being watched by God all the time. So here's what we do. We face the fury of the world. And if some of them show up on our church parking lot and you get out of your car and you yell at them, I'm going to jump on you and tell you to leave them alone. Amen. You smile and wave. God bless you. If I can do anything for you, holler. If you get too hot, I'll bring you a bottle of water. Somebody said, you can't accommodate the devil like that. Listen, Paul said when he told about the Corinthian church, he said, he named off about, I don't know how many sins. He said, and such were some of you. That's who you were. But Jesus saved you. That's what he said. So God can save people. Would you agree? So they, they faced the fury. They followed their faith. Are you getting it? The next thing they did, their faith was settled, strong, and steadfast. They didn't waver in it. They made a pre-decision to live for God, and they didn't have to make many little decisions later. And here's the truth. They found fellowship with Jesus Christ. And somebody says, well, what does that mean? That means that when they went into the fire, and the fire was hot, and I studied a little history on that. I'm not going to take time to do it today. I studied a little history on that, okay, and uh, where they had taken... Uh, extra uh, items of fire and thrown it in there. And I even read one place where the fire was a, was an average of about 100 feet above the fiery furnace, blazing 100 feet higher than the top of the furnace. When, when, uh, when Nebuchadnezzar said, turn up the fire seven times hotter than it normally is and throw them in, and they had put so much stuff in the fire, uh, and, and I'll even name some of that someday in another sermon. Okay, but, but, but when, when they were in the fire... 
and the flames were 100 feet higher than the furnace they were in, they still made up their mind. And while they were there, they had fellowship with Jesus Christ. And now you know the story of how God delivered them. They came out, and a little kid said one time to somebody, and they wrote a Christian song, Southern Gospel song about it, about he's still in the fire talking about Jesus. And the little boy walked up to his preacher and said, why was Jesus in the fire? And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were delivered out of it, and it doesn't say anything about Jesus being delivered out of it. And the pastor wisely said, he stayed in the fire because someday I might get in there too. And he'll be there to help me when I'm there. Amen? Amen. I'd like to ask today for the body of Christ to give me serious consideration. Let me get all this stuff out of the way here. Uh, you know, we study and pray and, and we read the Bible. We seek God. Uh, we're watchmen on the wall. We are. Christians should be. But but I'd like to know today uh, if if we could kind of get something settled in our mind. And that is, is, is the sin problem worth us cratering and caving into it? Or can we make a decision as the body of Jesus? Somebody said, well, Brother Johnson, you don't understand. If, if, if we don't if we don't do a little bit of things, well, they think we're weird, we're strange. Oh, really? Well, what does the Bible say about it? It said, I have a peculiar people, a strange people. Forgive my bluntness, we're not like the rest of the world. We're not. We're God's children. And if you need to make a decision about your walk in Christ, don't worry about your faith getting in the fire because it will. Someday it will go in the fire. Someday the enemy is going to come against you. And if you'll make up your mind that Jesus Christ can be your Savior and He can put a joy in your heart and a thrill in your life and a peace in your life where you can walk around and go to bed at night and not be thinking about nuclear explosions. My father-in-law used to say, if there's a nuclear war, he said, I pray that it hits at my town first. And somebody said, why? He said, because I'll be the first one into heaven. Is that a perspective? I'll be there before anybody else. So, so let, let's ask today, do you need to make some decisions? If you get up and walk to the front of this building today, when you stand up where your seat is, that does not mean that the moment you stood up, that you're branded as, quote, going to hell. Amen? It does not mean that. It does not mean that at all. It does not mean, oh, no. Oh, no. I thought they were already saved. That's not what that means. It means that I am here today because I've heard from God, and I probably have a few ticks, a few clicks on the sundial in my life that maybe shouldn't be there. Little things. Some, some of it may be major. Some of it may be very small. But I'd like to know, is there a husband and wife team with kids? Is there a, is there a family, a mom with a child? Is there, is there a group? 
Uh, are there any people here today that would like to get up and say, I've been through a few of those fiery experiences, and God was with me. And today, I want to come and stand as a fortress for God and tell God, Lord, I'm making up my mind today that this is my resolution. I am going to go to heaven. I am going to walk it. I'm going to have it. And then the first question that pops in somebody's mind is, well, do I have to do that at the front? Answer is no. You don't have to do it here. You can do it at the first stop sign up yonder at the, at the, at the first stop sign. You can do it before you cross the railroad track 100 yards from the end of my building. You can do it at your house. But why don't you do it in public for God and for your own good to say, Lord, I'm coming today and I want to stand here in the presence of the Holy God and say, you have helped me and I'm not worthy and my past may be bad and it may not be bad, but my past is out there and today is my new day to say, this is it, God. And my mind is made up. I'm going to make it in Jesus' name. Our musicians are hopefully handy and close by. And uh, I would like for uh, perhaps a song to be played. And, and nobody really needs to bow your head or close your eyes. You really don't have to do that. They didn't do that in the Bible. You know, that there were no altar calls like that given in the Bible. They just preached and people came. And, that, and that's okay. But, but I wonder if there's anybody in this house who would like to get up right now. Uh, you've been living for God 20 years, 10 years, 5 years, or maybe you're not a Christian. You'd like to walk down here and say, okay, I'm, I'm making my fresh decision. This is going to be my walk in Christ from here on to the end because my faith will surely someday go into the fire. Amen. The enemy is not going to like you, but you can do it. In Jesus' name. Let's have a song. Let them just play and sing for a moment here. And Would anybody like to just get up and walk down here? We'll pray with you. We'll love you. We won't ask you to sign any books. We're not going to show up at your house tomorrow with a bunch of cookies trying to invite you back. We're not going to do anything. We're just going to let you come up here and talk to God. Amen. All right, y'all play and sing. We're going to open this up and see if anybody would like to come and say, This is my morning. Amen.